Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, you are on the Harland Highway. Uh, welcome one and all. So glad you could join me here today. I'm Harlan Williams, your host or hostess or however you see me. Doesn't matter to me as long as we get down the highway. Um, Great show today. Oh, my God. Uh, We're going to have some real-life drama. I witnessed a predator and prey moment right on my front lawn. Um, Hunter and Hunted. Uh, I'll I'll tell you all about that. Uh, We're going to go to the Celebrity Racetrack today. It's a beautiful day for some celebrity racing. Um, We're going to discuss the cool factor. What do you do to be cool? I got got a little something that might help accent your coolness. Um, We're going to get into uh, hunting versus buying groceries. I got an interesting email from one of the highway listeners He asked me a question about that, and uh, we're going to look at the pros and cons of that. And uh, lastly, we're going to get into something that bothers me, gophers, little pesky gophers chewing up the lawn. Yeah. How do we get rid of them? Well, you're not getting rid of me because I'm right here, your host, Harlan Williams, on the Harlan Highway. Welcome to the Harland Highway. You fellas been doing a bit of boozing, have you? Sucking back on Grandpa's old cough medicine? There's an element of uncontrolled chaos. The Harland Highway. Serving everyone from presidents and kings to the scum of the earth. What a treat. Oh, wait. Was she a great big fat person? You just made a wrong turn onto the Harland Highway. You need many years of therapy. Hey, Harland, it's Stephanie from Denver. Just do me. You might want to think twice before sticking your penis in there. Just do me. You're riding down the Harland Highway with Harland Williams. Hey, man. What's up, all you groovesters? So Harlan Williams here on the Harlan Highway, you hip cats. Don't you wish you could just be instantly cool? You know, sometimes you have to work at it, or sometimes you're not in a cool mood. You're just feeling nerdy, or you let your guard down, you let your cool drop, you know? I kind of wish I had a fail-safe device, man. Whenever I gave an answer, it's like bongo drums went off. I just had some cool bongos. It was like bongo fever. You know, people are like, "Uh, Hey, Harlem, man, you want to go to the mall with us? And then the bongos just kick in. Then I'm like, no, man, I can't do it. I'm too busy being cool. Okay, man, thanks. And then even before I said you're welcome, the bongos kick in again. Yeah, you're welcome, man, yeah. And you know how it gets when you're out at a singles bar, you're on, you're on the prowl, you know, you just you just need that cool backup to just ensure yourself to close the deal. Just walk up to a hot mama. Hey baby, can I buy you a drink? Snap, the bongos kick in. What's that music? I don't know what you're talking about, baby. I hear bongo drums. I don't know, man. It's just it's just what I got. That's my mojo. Oh my god, can we do it right here on the bar? Sure, baby, but I wasn't looking at you, I was looking at your friend. Oh, I don't care, I'll do her too! 
Even in places where it wasn't supposed to be cool, you know, you're at church, you go up for communion, you know, you walk up, priest puts that little round piece of bread in your hand, you're like, thank you, Father. Even the priest is like, dear Lord in heaven, who's the coolest person in this church? Thank you, Lord, for gracing us with this cool person. Oh, you're welcome, man. This is Harlan Williams. The Harlan Highway, hipsters. Yeah, coolness, coolness, coolness. I'll tell you what I find cool is when uh, you listeners uh, shoot me your emails at uh, harlanwilliams.com. And uh, I got a letter. Uh, I got a, a, a letter from a guy named Jeremy in Denver. And uh, I had done a, a bit on going into a gun store for the first time in my life, and I started talking about hunting and that I didn't like it. And, uh, and uh, you know, and I got this, uh, this uh, email from uh, Jeremy in Denver, and uh, let me read it to you, and then I'll respond. I thought it was a cool letter. He says, Hi, Harland. I'm actually in the process of listening to your gun shop story just finished up. I actually don't want to ask you about the hunting, but I'm exceptionally curious about your opinion on commercial meat based on your opinion of hunting. Just curious about this because I've almost completely switched to getting meat to eat from hunting because I think that the commercial meat system is much crueler to animals than hunting is. What's your thoughts, Jeremy in Denver? Excellent letter, Jeremy. Uh, I appreciate it. Um, great, uh, great uh, topic to get into, and I think it's uh, interesting that you uh, you are doing that, that you are uh, taking your meat from hunting um, versus buying it in the store. And, uh, you know, since you asked, let me uh, give you my thoughts on it. Um Here's where I think we run into problems uh, with hunting, okay? Now, harvesting domestic animals, I'm with you 100%, man. It, it, is, uh, it is cruel. It is, it is hard to watch. It is uh, it's kind of heartless. Um, it's emotionless. And uh, let's face it, these animals are just raised to be slaughtered. They're herded down a line. They're hung up. They're, they're cut. Their throats are slashed. Uh, they bleed them. They hang them upside down so all the blood splashes out onto the ground. They, they cut them open. They rip out the guts. I mean, I don't have to get into the whole process here. I think I think we all know how grisly it is, okay? And it, it is awful. It is it is awful and look, I've I've been around farms. I've seen a cow get shot in the head. I I watched a farmer put a rifle between a cow's uh, eyes and pull the trigger and the cow spasmed and milk started squirting out invo- involuntary out of its udders. And I knew the thing wasn't dead. It was still kind of thrashing around. And the, the farmer put another bullet right to, to its head. 
and it kind of killed it a little more, if you will, but it was still alive, and then they put a rope around its neck, and they dragged it into the back of a truck, and I saw its legs still kicking. It was awful, and I was a young kid when I saw it. It, it had a big impression on me. Um, so I don't like that part of it at all. But So let me address that part of it, and then let me address the hunting part of it. Now, the dilemma we have as a human race is that we are expanding by millions, if not billions, every decade, okay? We are, uh, we are at about 6.5 billion human beings right now, okay? We're in the year 2011, and you got to ask yourself, where will we be by 2025? I think it's a safe bet, unless something goes catastrophically wrong, that we will be probably, I'm, I'm going to hazard a guess and say up in the 9 billion region, maybe a little less, maybe even a little more. And then you got to go 20 years after that, where are we? You go from 9 billion, you probably double it, 18 billion. <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I'm laughing because it's just so obscene almost. So here we go. We got right now we got six and a half billion mouths to feed. And the reason why you almost have to have domestic uh, cattle produce and domestic uh, poultry and all the rest of it, fish farms, you know, all of it is that there's probably no other way to get food to the human race, fresh, clean uh, you know, butchered meat to six and a half billion people. Um, and and you say, well, sure you can. You can raise them organically, and you could, you know, you could, uh, you could euthanize them, and you could do this, and you could do that. But what you're forgetting is, we don't live in a world of fairy tales. We live in a world where time is money, economics come into play. Uh, corporate policy comes into play, uh, government entities come into play, unions come into play, you know, that there's so many levels that go into it just on the political and economic level. And then, and then after that, it's down to getting product to people so that they can ingest it. So sadly, we have to create this assembly line system where basically it's like, get them in and get them out. Shuffle them through, shuffle them through, shuffle them through. Because, you know, you have to feed the masses. And and that dilemma is a product of, of us, uh, if you want to call it overpopulating, or if you just want to call it just uh, breeding. And so here we go into the second half of, of the question where we get into, uh, you know, the gentleman who wrote in talking about how he gets most of his meat now from hunting. As he said, he found, you know, domestic uh, slaughterhouses, cruel and inhumane and all the rest of it. So here's where the problem comes into play um, with hunting. Okay, I already said there's six and a half billion people out there. 
You do the math, okay? You tell me how long it would take for the ecosystem to crumble, for the population of just about every edible species of land animal or air bird or whatever, how quickly would those resources be depleted if we all decided to go hunting? Okay? I mean, I think it's safe to assume that that if, uh, you know, a city of 10 million or 11 million people, Los Angeles, went to the surrounding uh, environment to hunt, it would become a wasteland. They'd have to start hunting each other. You can't sustain it. Okay? And and same if you're in a small city uh, like Oklahoma or... uh, Cleveland or, uh, you know, somewhere where there's only like 70,000 people. Imagine if everybody who lived in that community went to the surrounding area and shot a deer and shot a moose and shot a goose and shot a, you know. How many years can that go on? I mean, th- these mammals don't breed that much. They don't They don't have uh, a system like fish where they drop 10,000 eggs at a sitting. They, they have one calf or one cub or maybe two, maybe three if they're lucky per season. So stack that up against a population of even 300,000 people. Okay? That's a lot of animal killing. So in the end, everything would be dead and everything would die. And on top of that, can you imagine 300,000 people out every day with rifles? Wandering through the woods, competing for the scarce mammals that somehow are still out there? How many hunting accidents are there going to be per day? Um, you know, so it, it, it's just not practical, man. You can't, you can't uh, go hunting in a modern society where we have, uh, you know, millions of people clustered together. And so uh, you also can't, you know, like I said, you can't subtract critters from the ecosystem en masse like that. I mean, you know, you can't just take away the wolves and the deer and the moose and the elk and the caribou and the beaver and the muskrat and the dinosaurs. I don't know why I said that, but who knows? I mean... It's all there would be left, dinosaurs. What the hell am I talking about? There's no dinosaurs left, but I'm getting all fired up here. So it's just not practical. It's easy for one guy to say, you know what? Screw the grocery store, man. I'm going out to hunt for my meat. It's much more humane. It's just one one or, you know, maybe bag five deer a year. Okay, that's one guy. Imagine, like I said, a million and then here's the final argument. Pe- people are like, you know, I, I get my meat from nature because uh, killing uh, at the slaughterhouses is inhumane and cruel. As compared to what? Is shooting a deer through the head or through the heart isn't cruel. The end result is death. The end result is butchery. Okay. Isn't it just cruel right across the board that you're you're killing something? 
How do you separate that? How do you differentiate? And don't sit there and uh, tell me, uh, all you hunters, you know, that you uh, every time you shoot, you get a perfect shot and drop your target. Bang, boom, on the ground dead. Uh-uh, man. A lot of people hunt with bow and arrow. A lot of people hunt with, uh, you know, rifles. A lot of people hunt with high-powered rifles. And you don't always hit your mark. I've seen more than enough hunting shows, sadly, where, uh, you know, Mr. Johnny Perfect Hunter hits his uh, hits his animal, and that thing runs through the bushes for a good uh, one, two, three, four, five, six minutes. Okay, it either bleeds to death or it uh, stammers around, stumbles around till it hits a tree or falls or... Believe me, it ain't it ain't it ain't all that sweet. Okay, at least in a slaughterhouse, they attempt to try and kill these animals quickly. And believe me, I hate it. I'm I'm with you, man. I'm with you. I I've seen the videotape of the slaughterhouses. It's it's disgusting. It's horrible. Hanging a, a mammal up by its feet upside down, slitting its throat. Yes, it's still alive for a little bit while its blood drains. I mean, it's graphic. It's disgusting. But uh, pegging a moose in the shoulder blade with a, you know, a hollow point and watching it uh, stumble through the woods until it uh, can't walk, you know, it's all just death. There's, there's There's no winner here. You can't argue one's better than the next because the end result is the same. Oh, boy, this is going on for a long time, but see, that's a good question. So let me just wrap it up. The reality is because there's so many of us, we cannot do the hunting thing. If we were still cavemen, if we were still clan people, yes, of course, it would probably be the best way. We've figured out a way to live too long. We've figured out a way to prevent illness. We've figured out a way to multiply. We figured out ways to cheat the system where it's out of balance, man. We are almost like a plague on the world. And so we, uh, we've overpopulated and we're just consuming and consuming. So... Until we're eating Soylent Green, and if you don't know what that is, uh, you know, download the movie Soylent Green. I won't give away the ending, but perhaps, maybe perhaps, Soylent Green is the solution. I won't give it away. Go watch the movie, read the book, Soylent Green, and until then, I'm not going to hunt. I'm not going to go to the grocery store. I'll be sitting patiently in line at the drive-thru. Honk! Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the fabulous Holland Highway Celebrity Racetrack. And what a day we have planned out for you today. Four wonderful, wonderful celebrities. We have Rihanna, pop sensation Rihanna in gate five. 
Dana Carvey, comedian Dana Carvey in Gate 4, Meatloaf, singer extraordinaire Meatloaf in Gate 2, and Salt and Pepper, rap superstars in Gate 4, and there they go, they are running down the track, at least some of them are running. Meatloaf is lumbering down the track, followed closely by Salt and Pepper. Rihanna takes the lead, her long athletic legs flying down the track, and Dana Carvey is coming up behind. Rihanna taking a bit of a lead here, and it looks like she's stopping. She's stopping to sing a song, as if she hasn't got enough songs on the radio already. She sings another one. She sings it very quickly and keeps moving. Meanwhile, Dana Carvey has stopped to appease the crowd. Being the ham that he is, he can't resist a live audience. He starts doing some of his impressions to the crowd, but wait, it's the same old impressions he's been doing for 45 years. He's doing the original George Bush. The crowd is booing, so he switches gears quickly and goes into Church Lady, a character he developed over 35 years ago. The crowd is not having any of it. They're throwing popcorn and beer bottles at the aging comedian. And there goes Meatloaf. He's finally picking up speed. He's running so fast. His legs firing back and forth. His corduroys building up friction. It looks like Meatloaf's running so fast his pants have caught on fire. Meatloaf burning, bursting into flames. And it looks like Salt and Pepper are coming to his side to try and extinguish the flames. Salt and Pepper all over the Meatloaf. Salt and Pepper getting into the flames. The meatloaf is cooking, and now there's salt and pepper all over the meatloaf. It smells delicious, but not enough to knock Rihanna off of hammering out yet another pop song in the short span that she's been running down the track. And now it looks like Dana Carvey, Dana Carvey getting booed for Church Lady, switches back unbelievably to George Bush Sr., the one he got booed for before. And Rihanna's finished writing another song. Here she goes. She runs past the burning meatloaf covered with salt and pepper. Rihanna picking up too much speed. She has to pull out her umbrella. Ella, Ella, the slower pace. It looks like Dana Carvey's been punished by the crowd. They're smashing chairs over his head. And Rihanna pulls her umbrella, Ella, Ella, and slows down her fast run as she speeds across the finish line. Meatloaf cooking in the middle of the track, covered with salt and pepper, the seagulls descending and eating. Thank you for joining me today. I'm Charles Parsley. Yo, 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 honk, honk, toot, toot, beep, beep. You are cruising down the Harlan Highway, and how many of you folks like me suffer from gophers? And I'm not talking about a skin ailment like a mole or something. I'm talking about real live gophers. Remember Caddyshack? And how obsessed Bill Murray was? Big gobs of greasy granny gopher guts. How about a nice cool drink? Varmints, scum, slime, menace to the golfing industry. You're a disgrace and your varmints. You're one of the lowest members of the food chain and you'll probably be replaced by the rat. I am not kidding. There's no word of a lie. About five years ago, I had my whole lawn ripped up, okay? Because those gophers had put so many holes in it, it looked like SpongeBob. There were just holes everywhere. They come up from underneath, and they push all the dirt out, and they make these little holes, and one hole's not good enough. No, we need an escape route over here, and a back door over here, and a fire escape over here, and an evacuation route over here. It's like each gopher makes like 32 holes in your lawn until you got nothing left, man. 
Oh, those little weasels. So I had my whole lawn ripped up. And even my even my uh, gardeners hadn't thought of this. I don't know why. It's pretty simple. I said to them, I said, look, tear up all my lawn, put down a new layer of dirt, and put chicken wire all across my whole lawn. I want chicken wire, cover the whole lawn, lay another little bit of dirt, and then put the fresh sod on there. Because I knew the grass would grow right through the chicken wire, right? And they're like, hey, man, we never thought of that. Yeah, well, that's why you're a gardener and I'm a genius, okay? And lo and behold, man, it stopped them. Oh, yeah, for five years, my lawn has been immaculate. But you know how nature evolves? Things happen when animals get put in situations. They change. They're weird little creatures. It's like, kind of like how human beings, if you put them near a fast food drive through they get bigger. You know? We evolve. And somehow these little weasels, after five years, either the chicken wire got rusty or they evolved like wire-chewing teeth. And my yard is now like that that Fox show, Breakout. Except now it's like, break up. My lawn's being destroyed again. They finally found a way through the wire. I gotta call Bill Murray, man. Get his ass over here to blow up my property. Uh, hello, Mr. Gopher. Yeah, it's me, Mr. Squirrel. Yeah, hi. Uh, just a harmless squirrel, not a plastic explosive or anything, nothing to be worried about. Well, in the words of Jean-Paul Sartre, au revoir, go fair. It's the Harland Highway. Yeah, little varmints. And speaking of rodents, okay, this this was uh, this was so cool and kind of scary. I guess I can appreciate that these these rodents have a bit of a rough life. Um, they live underground for a reason. But I was sitting in my living room the other day, and my living room, I look out onto my front yard where there's a uh, couple of deck chairs and. Uh, some grass, you know, where the gophers are ripping it up. And, you know, living out somewhere in the bushes are squirrels, right? So every now and then the squirrels get the uh, cojones to run across the grass and try to make it to another tree. So I'm sitting there, and I see this squirrel run across, and nothing new, right? But then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, dive-bombing in from left field like a red-tailed hawk. Okay, we've all seen hawks when we're driving. They're either gliding in the sky or they're just a little ways off in the distance on a fence post or up in a tree branch. You see them when you're driving. And you rarely get to see them super, super close. And I guess because this hawk couldn't see me because of the reflection on the glass, I was literally probably about, you know, 12 feet away. 15 feet away from this this giant hawk, and he landed, and he tried to get the squirrel, and the squirrel just missed him and ran underneath the lawn chair. And so I would have thought that the uh, the hawk would have just taken off, but instead he hopped up on the chair. And, you know, this is probably the closest I've ever been to a wild hawk because, like I said, it couldn't see me, and I got such a good look at it. And up close, they are much bigger than you think. And they've got longer legs than you think. And their talons are much bigger than you think. 
And I could see this thing's eye. It had a yellow eye, and it had like kind of like goldish brown feathers. And it was determined, man. It was standing on that chair, and I could see the little squirrel underneath just like, you know, it reminded me of the scene in Jurassic Park when the kids are hiding in the kitchen and the velociraptors are coming after them. Remember that? That incredible scene where the kids are hiding in the uh, pots and pans and these two velociraptors come in the kitchen and start sniffing and walking and... It was terrifying, right? Well, that's what this was, man. It was playing out on my yard. And here's this squirrel trying to say really still and quiet. And this damn red-tailed hawk, which is a raptor, right? Some claim that that dinosaurs evolved from the birds, from the raptors. So here's this bird of prey, this predatory bird, and it's standing up there and its head's tilting and its eyes blinking and it's like jumping around on the chair and it's craning its neck and it's bending down. And I'm like, I'm almost terrified watching. I feel like I'm watching Jurassic Park. And this squirrel had nowhere to go because, you know, these birds are lightning fast. If that squirrel had made a run for it, over. And I just thought, th- this would be like the equivalent, like if I was hiding in my house right now and Godzilla came and was trying to peel the roof off. So uh, so the the, uh, the hawk keeps doing it, and then he knows the squirrel's under the chair, so he jumps down onto the ground and starts looking. And so the squirrel makes a run for it from under the chair to under the lawn chair, which is one of those longer ones that you lay out on, right? So the, uh, the hawk kind of tried to play a little game on the squirrel, Hawk jumps up and flies back up in the air. And I'm like, okay, that's over. So the squirrel's laying under the lawn chair, stretched out on its belly, trying to stay motionless. And all of a sudden, the hawk comes circling back in, lands on the lawn chair, and starts the whole process over again. And he's getting down on the ground, and he's now he's sticking his head under the chair, trying to scare the thing out. And I'm just like this little squirrel, man. And then finally, this uh, beautiful bird. I mean, they are just stunning. Gorgeous uh, raptor, this red-tailed hawk. Finally kind of called it a day and took off for good. But it was just so fascinating to watch, you know, kind of life and death play out right in front of my eyes. uh, Right on my front lawn. It was kind of dramatic, and, and it was just interesting to see how the squirrel played it, how its instincts, you know, because it's not like he gets swooped down on every day. For all I know, that might have been its first aerial attack, but somehow its instincts told it what to do, where to go, how to stay low, how to stay motionless, and it just reminds you how, uh, how nature equips everything with the tools that it needs. Of course, until it makes a fatal error. Um, So there you go. It's all about the rodents today. Um, And uh, you know what? I think think by by babbling away into that story, uh, I think I used up all our time. In fact, I know I did. But uh, nonetheless, glad I could share my nature adventure with you from the safety of my own living room couch. Um, 
I hope you're safe. Please wear a helmet or put on some Hawk propellant or something. Because we want to see you here next time. And until next time, chicken chow main, baby. <laughs> <laughs>